0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. I'm your host, Jared Van Voorst, and I'm also one of the pastors at Life Church. Thank you for listening today. And if you haven't already, I want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and then share it with somebody else. Maybe this content has been meaningful to you and sharing it can also have an impact on somebody else. Also, if you'd like to contribute to the work of Life Church, you can visit our website at lifechurchcanton.org slash give, and your giving and your contribution makes a massive difference. So thank you so much. Today is another episode of Table Talk Thursday. That includes pastors Nathan McWhirter, Daniel Fagbui, and myself. And there was a bit of a theme today in terms of both diversity and theology, as well as where we invest our resources. So it's an interesting discussion today. If there's other kinds of podcast material that you'd like to hear, don't hesitate to email me at jared.vanvorst at lifechurchcanton.org. I'll put my email in the show page so you can have easy access to that. And for now, here's Table Talk Thursday
1: well welcome everybody to table talk thursdays uh to our folks on facebook and on the podcast we welcome you guys to this what are we calling this a show a segment a talk what are we calling this i don't know table talk it's a talk um remember that all questions are welcome Uh, questions excuse me about the most recent sermon um any questions about life in general questions are due in by Tuesday evening, and if you get them in after that, we will definitely keep them in the list of questions that we have for the next uh, next show or talk, um, and also any live questions that you have, we will try to get to as soon as we can, especially if they are follow-ups to questions that are already on the table. I do want to bring in a few announcements to you remind, uh, to remind us to keep praying for the church, uh, the Church Universal, as well as Live Church Canton. Uh, to continue to pray for divine unity, God's unity, and to continue to pray for our nation and our world. Um, It's a unique time that we are in, uh, not just because of COVID, but because of all the other uh, social justice matters and just life in general and the chaos that that brings. And so do continue to pray for truth and grace in conversations. Uh, Pray for those who have lost their employment, those who have lost loved ones, the at-risk populations, uh, those who are on the front line, healthcare professionals and all essential employees, which it seems like people are starting to go to work, too. So whoever you are, wherever you are, if you're going to work, we are keeping you in our prayer. Pray for the elderly. Pray for those who have pre- con, uh, pre-existing conditions. Also, do want to continue to lift up the families of Ahmaud Aubrey, Manuel Ellis, Douglas C. Lewis, Brianna Taylor, Sean Reed, Maurice Gordon, George Floyd, David McAtee, James Scurlock, Sean Monterosa, Giovanni Lopez Ramirez, Dion Johnson, Justin Howell, Javier Hambler, Michael Ramos, David Patrick Underwood, Nakia Crawford, Carlos Carson, and Robert Forbes. Um, we want to keep those families in mind as we pray for just God's healing in this uh, season that we're in do continue to reach out to each other as a church i am super proud to be one of your pastors because i am seeing you love and care for each other and so do continue to do that and let's point each other back to god's truth Um, also want to remind you that we did put out a call last week uh, for anybody who has any mental health background, whether you're a social worker, a therapist, psychologist, whatever you have, and if you have the, the time and the space, uh, our sister Lynn Jarrett came up with a great idea of being able to create just a small group, um, especially given the impact of COVID and the impact of the justice issues that are happening. If you'd love to have a sort of group to be able to talk and, 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 um, and share your thoughts and sort of have a ther- therapeutic moment, I want to sort of encourage that. So if you have any of those gifts, if you have any of that in background and you are willing and able, please do email me at daniel.fagbui at lifechurchcanton.org. I'd love to hear from you and see how we can partner together to serve our people. And then also want to just keep in mind, our sisters Laura and Lindsay are starting their uh, six-week course this week. I believe they're full, but you can always still reach out to them. Uh, It's a great opportunity specifically for our Caucasian brothers and sisters to learn more about racial matters and ethnicity and a biblical perspective on race and justice and all those things in the history of our American church. So, particularly geared towards my uh, brothers and sisters who are white. And so, you can reach out to uh, Laura at be the bridge at lifechurchcanton.org. That's be the bridge at lifechurchcanton.org. Um, and we'd love to connect with you and see if we can get you in the next uh, either beta Bridge or Color Compromise. And so it'd be a great prep for Bita Bridge actually to do Color Compromise. Also wanna thank everybody who came out last Friday to Juneteenth. It was a great opportunity to uh, just uh, celebrate together and also mourn some of the things that are going on in our society and have gone on. It's great to see all my brothers and sisters uh, brothers and sisters of color, brothers and sisters of different ethnicities and cultures. Uh, it was just a beautiful sight, and I, I pray that it was a blessing to you, and looking forward to doing something great next year. Um, God willing, we'll be in a different sort of milieu. And finally, Men's Breakfast, June, July sorry, July 18th at 9 a.m., sponsored by Harry J. Will Funeral Home. They are sponsoring, folks, um, and it's a great opportunity for us brothers to get together and uh, connect with each other, encourage each other, spur each other on, on to good things. I'm going to be there. I believe our pastors here are going to be there. It's going to be a great opportunity to just fellowship together. We're going to be outside in the pavilion, um, and we will maintain as much distance as we are called to maintain um, but it would be a great time and great lunch great breakfast uh, sorry breakfast and it'll be it'll be good um, and our brother Kevin Bullock is the one who is helping sponsor that through Harry J uh, will funeral home well that is it for announcements I feel like we need to start getting some sponsor money or something <laughs> from these announcements uh, but it's a great joy to be here with you brothers how are you guys doing um, and how is life going
0: i 'm doing well there 's a lot of hap- a lot of happenings, a lot of things happening, I should say, uh, especially this weekend. Um, finally, receiving communion so there 's an email that Ooh. went out. hopefully um, those of you who are watching right now or listening later, you will have received that email and um, and got some information about participating in communion which we 're going to do in a unique way digitally um there's also information about uh our, our final candidate for for worship and tech and uh Ooh. that's really exciting i'm not gonna say too much more than that but other than you, you gotta you gotta tune in on sunday at 9 30 on facebook uh because it's gonna be a good uh good service good message as well and um weather's beautiful we're good yeah
2: no complaints yeah yeah we got some rain this week we need some rain. Yeah. Oh, my grass was dying. But uh, I, I'd say I I'd probably feel a lot that old, you know, the grass all dried out and tired <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and uh, you know, I'm sleeping. All right. Kind of. But, but the idea of just being like, I'm tired, I'm weary. I'm weary of COVID. I'm weary of this. My gym was about to open up uh, this morning and then they shut it down again. I'm not going to talk about whether that was right or wrong. I just know I was looking forward to going to the gym and now oh, wow. I can't. So I'm going to go pick up some milk cartons. No, I'm just kidding. I have a wonderful setup at home. I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, but, you know, I, I think one of the things I've been hearing from people and I even feel at times is just um, the disconnection from the community. And Sunday mornings is just such a huge part of that. I just want to encourage everybody who's watching. And we are, we are doing our best to make some amazing experiences. But I know for a fact, because it's already recorded, that uh, this Sunday is going to be a great experience. Um, There are fireworks. There are uh, new people. There's communion, which you can participate in. But if you're not, if you don't want to, you can just observe. And um, it, it refreshed my soul. I was at practice. And then I was at, um, to watch just kind of the dynamics of this new individual that we're, we're trying out. And then I was there on Wednesday with just a few extra people, just a few within the sta- uh, safety standards so that we could you know, not have an empty room and see how he led the room. And um, I got to worship two nights in a row and my, I felt like rain came, right? I felt like I just got some rain on some old grass. So the grass is, is still looking a little rough. But it's starting to perk up. And so I, I'm just hoping that um, you'll tune in. You'll spend some time um, either live or later or picking it up on the podcast where you can hear the sermon, at least on the podcast. Just resting in God's presence. If I could ask anything for you right now, in this very moment, whenever you're listening, is that, uh, that you would be refreshed and that your um, heart would know that God loves you and that we're going to overcome through this. Because I'm just kind of saying that for myself right now because I, I need it. And uh, I know each one of you needs to be refreshed. And so I hope that uh, that we can help you position you to experience the power of God and his love for you.
1: Amen. Amen. So you can watch that live later or both. Um, and it'd be great to worship on this Sunday together. I'm looking forward to it myself. Well, our first question, actually, you know, I've been told that whenever I ask how you guys are doing, I never say how I'm doing. Um, So I'm I'm doing fine. Um, I'm doing okay. Uh, Very unique season, but I'm thankful for uh, the family that we have at church and, and the family that I have at home and excited about all those things. So I'm thankful for the breath of fresh air that God seems to be breathing into our souls. So great. Well, our first question is from our brother Richard Christ. And Richard asked the question, he says, would you guys consider adding a weekly segment called The Attributes of God? And maybe at the beginning of each podcast, we could do that. Um, He says each week we would describe one attribute of God's characteristic, uh, what it is and what it means. And uh, he goes further to say, yeah, God has infinite attributes. And it." take us a lifetime to get through all of them so that might be fun what do you guys think about that offhand I don't even think we've talked about that but offhand how do you feel about that no no. Yeah. Let's no, no talk. I, about, let's talk I, about the attributes of human beings. <laughs> look,
2: look, like I just I was just you know we got through one question last week. We had to sue on, but then afterwards we got through one question. So we're just gonna get yeah. through that question right there. No, of course not. That's not. No. Okay. Next question. We're gonna try to get through all of them. No, none at all. I, I do love. I do love that question. I love the idea of it. And and whenever we can make God the focus, whenever we can elevate who God is. It's so good um, yeah. and so wonderful. I think people should plumb the depths of who God is. And, and uh, I don't know if an ongoing segment makes sense yet for us. Well, maybe we will. I don't know. I hear from you guys. Yeah. We're literally talking about this for the first time right now. Yeah. But, man, when we fix our eyes on God and who he is, we have a value. It's called driven by new life, mm-hmm. right? And driven by new life what well, you may not realize is all about making the name of Jesus Christ Christ great how do we get there well, new life is something we talk about when we talk about baptisms. But what it is is when somebody's life um, that was dead has new life, so symbolized in baptism. But when there's an area of their life that has been transformed, overcoming addictions, overcoming bitterness, overcoming that divorce, and, and there's this burst of this freshness, right? Even when I was talking about feeling refreshed and like the greenery of the grass returning, there's this new life. And we want to celebrate this new life because the only one who can do it is God only one who can do it is God. So when you think about who God is and you start to, to see that he is love and he has all these attributes and you start to raise them up, you, you, you really are trying to celebrate who God is. So I love that idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. I think, um, you know, one of my concerns about people who leave the church, um, is, is that they focus in, or at least they're educated on one or two attributes of God and, and, for whatever reason, miss the fact that God is multifaceted, um, multi attributed If I could say that, and um, and and part of that is because of churches actually who will create whole models of their mission, of their church, of their theology around maybe just a myopic uh, one or two attributes of God and and while that's true that they talk about God in that way they miss some of the other attributes and i've probably been guilty of it as well um and so you you have an incomplete god that that you share about and and if a person who is maybe on the fence about god or about faith or about church only hears that aspect and that attribute of god and it's and it's not an attribute that sort of draws them in then they decide in a very quick moment like oh he's not for me, Uh, that God's not for me. And so I'm going to walk away. And so I want to keep giving a full picture of who God is and, and then some, and, Mm -hmm. and um, be in reverence about the mystery, about the multifacetedness and nature of God. Um, And like you said, Daniel, we we could just keep on talking about it. And the other thing too, is the other reason why I think it's a good idea um, is that I think sometimes we get in a rut as people of God, and talking about the plight of the human condition and just talk about how bad we all are um, and forget that that God is redemptive and over that and in that and through that. And so um, I, I think we we get into the self, self-deprecating um, state of ourselves that we just think that, well, that's all there is to talk about. And Christianity just becomes about like, well, I just need to change all these things about myself. And so I need to become a better person. And then again, we miss mm. the, complete, uh, the completeness and the complete nature of who God is. So I, yeah, Richard, I'll say yes. I disagree with Nathan. Yes, we should talk about <laughs> it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I mean, well, obviously, I, I think you guys already know where I stand on this one because, yeah. yes, I, I agree. Not only do I agree, I think I think everything you said is spot on, but I also don't know if we remember that actually when we were starting this, some of the questions that I initially came up with, one of them was, what are some attributes of God? <laughs> we never got yeah. a chance to really break into that because COVID hit <laughs> um, and hit hard. What's COVID? Um, so, yeah, I'm on board with that. Yeah, I don't know what that is either. Uh, pray God, I hope our memory is that far removed in the future. Um, no, but I, I think that's very well said. I think um, not only does it give us a more robust and complete, more more complete, so I'm not saying complete, because you can never be complete as it pertains to God, but a more complete understanding of God. Um, I think it also gives us, because theology that can't get you through the hard times is not a worthy theology at all, and so, in these sort of seasons, resting in the uh, the indisputable attributes of God is helpful because life and everything else around us moves and changes and ebbs and flows, but God is constant, and being able to rest in the constancy on God of God is like the old uh, Negro song that says, uh, uh, "Make sure your anchor holds in Christ." Uh, and that's just great because Christ doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So I, I love that. And I, I'd love to do that. I don't know how that would look. And it, maybe it's just a two minute of, Hey, what attribute is on your mind today? Or, you know, quickly, what does that say? And give people time to go read more about it. Maybe, and maybe it's just one of those things where we might unpack just one attribute, uh, in one segment. We'll, we'll figure that out. I assume, uh, we have some conversations about about that but great topic, great thing to do. Uh, and then we'll move on to our next question.
0: Is that me?
1: That will be you.
0: It's me. I feel like um, I need to
1: segue that better for you, brother. I'm sorry, no,
0: no, no, that's fine. You're good. Uh, Julie asks a great question What is the difference between because this had come up in previous um episodes in case you're just now joining us for the first time? Um, but there was this idea of, of that there's actually a difference between white theology and black theology. What is that difference and why did that even come to be? And Daniel, you said you uh, before the show that we should talk about how did we even come to realize that that was a thing for, for yeah, each of yeah. us personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'll, I'll share that first. Um, so I, I went to a seminary um, specifically devoted to um, encouraging a sort of multifaceted, multi-ethnic perspective, um, so there were there were authors and theologians from all different backgrounds, um, and uh, that was an intentional thing on the part of of the seminary. And it's part of the reason uh, that it drew me to it is because I had grown up in a in, in a very uh, sort of one-sided view of theology. It was good and it formed me. Um, for that season, but I just, I recognized that I wanted to grow beyond that and and understand other perspectives. So um, I was in seminary in 2015 to 2017. And so that's when I was first exposed to it. So before I get to answering the rest of the question, I think uh, Nathan was going to share a
2: little bit about that as well. Yeah, I think there's a difference between um, recognizing a different stop, a different um, basis of moving forward when you craft a sermon and just recognizing that you're in a different culture. So I was exposed to different kinds mm. of cultures of preaching or the black church in the, in the preaching, but I didn't think I recognize. like had that moment where oh, something clicked in my mind that, Oh, there's something else going on here that I just am, I'm not understanding. And so seminary is a great place for that because as you start to go through hermeneutics and you start to really get questions on your base theology, you start becoming more aware of it yourself and you start thinking uh in a manner that allows you to be a little more critical of what you say but also to try to dive to what's behind what other people say and uh i had a dr marvin mcmickle in one of the um, chapels got up and started preaching and it wasn't just the way he preached. And by the way, I, I got one of his books is really good as the, the star book of preaching. And he has some other ones um, that are really good. Um, but, but he preached in a way that I recognize there is something different behind this and drive it. And he was, a, he's a master, like hmm. a master. If you've ever sat under someone who preached, I can think of two people that I have two, two total two people who I sat under and they preached and I said, this is a master of the craft. But he was a master of the craft, and so so doing invited me into that. Um, and he was inspiring because he was a little more um, on this prophetic side, which we've been talking a little more about that, about that later, but the idea of the telling, the calling out the wrong and what's happening in the world. But I love this quote from his book, and, and I just want to share it. It's really good. He talks about how a lot of pastors like, this is how he, march, you know, doctor, teaching hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of students, uh, maybe thousands and thousands, how to preach. He he says a lot of times it's nice when the room's full. I'm like, yeah, it is nice just to have a room uh, of people at all. <laughs> but like <laughs> you you wanted people to shake your hand and say that was really, really good. But he said this. He goes, uh, we so much enjoyed what you had to say. That's That feels good, right? A better gauge of whether you preached well might be those occasional Sundays when people exit by another door, refusing to shake mm. the preacher's hand because the sermon was as disturbing to them as the one preached by jesus in the synagogue at nazareth Mm. and uh, Mm. i was like oh okay (laughs) so Mm. what i said Mm. is there was this moment when i recognized there's something deeper there's something diverse there's something not diverse just color of skin or the way that they said it were but this the side of things that i had never i sensed it and then that was kind of when i when i first started to explore
1: yeah yeah i think um uh my my exposure to Uh, black theology um, happened in the like 89, 90 era, um, coming back to the States. So for those who don't know, I was born in America, raised in Nigeria for about 10, 11 years and came back to the States and coming back here and becoming um, aware of uh, the sort of black movement in America and, and becoming more aware of that I am, because in Africa, uh, well, I don't want to say Africa as a whole, but in Nigeria, the notion of most Nigerians, if not all Nigerians, especially in that era, was that we were different from Black Americans. And that Black Americans were in the situation they were in because we believed the hype and the historical untruths, that they were socially degraded and they were animalistic and they couldn't, Um, basically get out of there. and so the only reason they're being treated the way they're treated is because they're bad people Uh, and so so buying into that uh, coming now to America and being classified as a black person because while most African countries make that distinction America doesn't make that distinction your pigment is black, your pigment is black. You're going to be treated the same way. Like, no one's going to stop treating you badly and say, oh, oh, you're from Nigeria. Oh, no, no, you get a different type of black treatment. No, you're you're lumped in in that group. And so that lumping in created an awareness for me to say, oh, I want to learn more about the history of black people in America, and started to not only see the history, but also see how uh, there's a convergence um, of our stories um, in so many ways, like our stories are tied together, whether it's from the fact that you used to be part of me and you were taken from me, or in a sense that our plight is similar, albeit different, Um, both people being colonized looks differently, uh, either a whole country colonized or a whole culture colonized, whatever way you want to sort of parse that out. And so I became aware and I started to read books and learn about stuff. Then I started to, didn't really know it was called Black theology. At the time, It was just like, oh, so I'm in the scriptures. I can see myself in the scripture. So when he talks to Adam, he's he's talking to me too, not just people that are not that are not black. Um, so that was sort of my my um my sort of uh, first ap- appreciation of it i yeah. began to know exactly what it was when i started to listen to when i heard of people like james cone who was the founder of black liberation theology
0: yeah.
1: um in a sense and then i started to read up on these historical black men who could preach mm-hmm. i mean like preach the cross and the salvation of christ um, and so, so those are my first thing. We'll, we'll, might yeah. unpack some of this as we talk about the actual definition of this yeah. with your question, but that was my first sniff of what black theology was. Awesome,
0: Thank you. And then Nathan mentioned, there was two people that he sat under that were extremely powerful. The other person, I thought that was me and you, well, it was me, uh, and you <laughs> were, he sort of lumps us into the same,
1: Yeah. Um, so, so, so
2: it's I okay. I mean, share my, he wanted to keep us lie. humble. Do you want me to lie? I it wasn't, it wasn't. <laughs>
0: It wasn't us. Okay. Not yet. That's fine. That's fine. I, not I, believe, yet. I believe, Give it some
2: time, but not yet. Yeah,
0: that's okay. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, it gives <laughs> me a bar to set for myself to grow. No. So, um, so here's the interesting thing. Some of you who are listening right now, may, maybe you've heard of some of the, the heavy hitters, the big names, um, you know, Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King Jr., but Martin Luther in the reformation period, John Calvin, uh, John Wesley, um, later on, you get guys like, uh, like Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield, which we talked about a little bit from Color of Compromise. And then into the 20th century, some of the readers or some of the authors that we read were uh, Karl Barth and uh, mm. uh, Rudolf, um, shoot, now I'm, I'm missing his name. Paul Tillich is another guy. So all of these are, are white theologians, and, um, but it was ne- that was just theology. So so whatever it is that they wrote to contribute Mm. to the theological process was just theology, theology proper, uh, some people would call it, classical theology, if you Mm. will. It's the Mm. standard, it's just, it is what it is. It's not until you get a guy like James Cone, who is one of the people that we read, um, uh, we read a book called A Black Theology of Liberation. Mm. Um, Some people just call it Black Liberation Theology. Mm -hmm. It's not until we get to him or others like him that now all of a sudden we're putting a qualifier before the word theology, so mm. and he even talks about this in this book, that everything else um, is just theology, while whatever he contributes is black theology.
1: Black theology,
0: a- and um, and so he he sort of hypothesizes or or asks the question and challenges is like why isn't what we're contributing just theology as well, isn't it all Mm -hmm. just theology? And then he makes some distinguishing things that, um, specifically that liberation theologians um, identify with. And there's some other Latin American ones like Gustavo uh, Gutierrez and John Mm -hmm. Sabrino. um, Some of these guys I was exposed to as well, uh, who come from um, specifically, I think Gutierrez is a El El Salvadorian. Um, That what they do in their liberation theology is they tend to identify with that um, oppressive people uh, of the Bible, because this is a Bible written by oppressed people. This is um, a story that is deeply rooted in the Exodus, people who came out of slavery, who were liberated. And so they have a unique identification with that exodus story. And then Jesus is this new exodus, this new liberator. Um, And so there are some differences there, but Daniel and I talked a little bit that there's, there is a black liberation theology. There might even be, and we didn't learn a ton about this, but just a black theology. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's, there's, uh, there's other forms of liberation theology as well. There's African theology, which, um Daniel knows a little bit more about in his Nigerian context as well, so um, I, I think you know where do we go from here there's There's more we could say. I think it's recognizing that we don't need to make the determ- the determination of who is the standard who whose um, attempt at trying to understand God is the majority standard, mm-hmm. um, but how do we bring in all of these voices? Uh, in more of a collective sense, to to understand again the attributes of God, because I can only see God from from a limited lens uh, yeah. than my other brothers and sisters. So that's what I would. Yeah, no. About.
1: Well said. I mean, I think to piggyback on that last point is um, even if you put two African Americans okay. together. You 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 will find that one of them will will, will gravitate towards one attribute of God mm-hmm. over the other because of life experience, right? Life experiences does that, cultural experience also does that. And I think it's clear for people to also know black theology is not just theology done by black people. Like it's it's not that's yeah. not what it means. Yeah. That that some will classify that. But I think also the distinction you made, which is one of the things I was going to say, is there's a big distinction between black liberation theology and African Christian theology, Mm -hmm. which has some flavor, uh, not so much not pagan flavor, but just flavor of some grit about certain experiences that resonates more. Um, and I think, I think looking at it from that perspective, the context behind this question is also sweet, too, because our sister, I was like, well, do you, do you want to stay anonymous? And she was like, no, I need people to know, specifically, I need our white brothers and sisters to know that we can ask these questions, uh, that we can have these conversations. And you alluded to this that the reason there is a quote unquote black liberation theology is because of racism and 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 the injustices that happen from that. so so as far as we move away from that topic we always get right back to it right because christianity was equal to european centric white christianity and so that was the standard so everything else is not the standard so i think that's helpful now i will say though uh there are great benefits of black theology, black liberation theology. It contextualizes Christianity in a way that uh, people understand that God is not just for the rich or for the fair skin, but that God is for all people and that God right. brings in specifically, I would even argue that God is even more so for the marginalized and the poor and the downtrodden. A bruised reed he will not break, right? Even in your lament a couple a couple of days ago, Pastor Nathan, you shared that passage. Um, yeah. Christ is for the less fortunate. He is for the broken. Um, and he speaks about that as such, right? And there's nuances to that. But I do think that black liberation theology does take a, a turn towards replacement theology. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's the painful part of it, right? But it's not now when people hear that, I don't want you to hear, oh, well, there it goes. But because regular theology also took a turn to make it more anglicized and make it be you know, sort of white, white-nized, if you will. And so Black liberation theology sort of moves. And when I say replacement theology, what I'm saying is that um, in the core of it, if not carefully explained it tends to see itself as israel and as an america as egypt uh, and there's 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 enough history in there to be able to see that parallel but not in the sense of saying no i am israel uh versus saying no i i am similar to what they've gone through so so that's where it moves out into a hermeneutic that is more where some people will say is social gospel versus the gospel gospel. And for us who know, you can't have the gospel without the social part of it. Um, And so we don't make that distinction if we're trying to be balanced in the Bible that the Bible by itself, the gospel has social implications. And that's true and you follow those those don't become the end. So you're not essentially trying to create a utopia. You are trying to create as much as you can a godly Christian atmosphere, but you're not intending to to think that you can achieve uh, a godly utopia through social means alone. Does that make sense? And so I think that's the stuff that's like super interesting is to see how it's deviated from uh, the core of what it was, but then the origin of it is true is that it's, Born out of pain, suffering, and the fact that I I am being told that I am less, uh, I am inferior before God as a black person, and then I am being told that I'm not even in some cases worthy of salvation. And so, in a sense, uh, black theology or even black liberation theology is intended to um, recapture the rich African history of the church athanasius augustine all these great men of the faith who were african and who were there before the church ever got to europe and so it's helpful to just reclaim some of that and say no god is a god of all people so that's that i think there's much more we can say about that but in the core of it there ought to be no black theology and white theology there should be and there isn't actually a white theology it's just quote unquote theology um but i think um i would love to see a day where we could just experience the voices of different folks um, and we're trying to do that even at live church right we we have that nuance but man what a day when we can fully appreciate <laughs> here i go again just falling into the labels black worship <laughs> in a way that is like oh that's those are our brothers and sisters and that's another part of our voice and not not in a way to stop the other ways but to bring those together man i am gonna lose my mind if that ever happens i know that's gonna trigger you nathan go oh, ahead.
2: <laughs> i just get so excited about that I That's know such a, a passion you know we you know i was talking to a couple of people today or this last couple of weeks and they're feeling the weight of the the the, the racial um, tension mm. in our country and trying to figure that out and we're learning 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 and often uh, it can be heavy or you could feel like you're trying to resist it if you're a white person and you're trying to find your way through it i just i want to say i see you I know you're out there. I know you're struggling, and that's totally okay. I don't know if you're listening right now. I hope you do. I think Tabletop Thursdays, go back and listen to all of them. They've been such a great um, conversation. But um, I, I'm excited, too, about what comes, what, the, what some of the fruit is from working on justice. We did talk last week about how there's no, um, there's no diversity without justice. But as we push mm. into justice, we get to experience this diversity, and, and you bring it up. The idea of black worship versus white people worship, well, like mm. white people in America worship. Like The idea is there's these voices that we get to bring together and meld and, and not so that it becomes, um, well, hopefully so that it becomes something new and different, but mm-hmm. also acknowledges both the experiences and backgrounds of, of all people. And uh, I I don't know what's next. Hopefully we'll be working on what what Indian worship looks like and, and, you know, just working into it. I'd love that because we get to experience something beautiful together, Um, distinct, but also the voice of God. And I think that was what really black theology was trying to express um, and is trying to express that God would be with the black people who are being oppressed and who are being mm. oppressed. God would be with them and and, and that experience and that voice uh, should come out. And I, I think of another group of people and often you'll hear a lot more about Moses. You'll hear a lot about the uh, the leader who led the slaves out of slavery into a new world, and not just out of slavery, but out of that the mental and harm that comes from slavery. and so you and sometimes in black theology you hear more or sermons, you'll hear more from Moses and and, and you'll hear there, there's just this nuance that what we can understand, and if everyone out there you're freaking out because you think that the church is going to be oppressed someday and we're going to lose all our rights and everything. Well, honestly you probably should jump on that black theology train because they're going to teach you how to work through it <laughs> how to be the church in Damn. oppression in fact they know they know way better than i do how to do that and and, and so if you're afraid of it you shouldn't be uh, because you know god's god's going to carry us through but they they may actually become much that that way of thinking and that experience can may become way more beneficial to us if we get to that point. I, I know I just went like all over the
1: place. No, I I'm about to jump on your bandwagon because I think so. This let me get a little serious. I think the church is going to be persecuted. Any reading of your Bible will move you into a place that the church is going to be persecuted. It doesn't matter if you're amillennial or whatever the hell you want to call it. You're going to you're going to experience persecution. Black folks are strategically gifted to help in this area, to help through the persecution. And it was a comedian that said, it, and, and this might not be too PC, but he says, you know, he was, he, he was a black guy in his house. um, And he had just gotten some money and just, you know, become upward mobile. And his gardener came up of a different ethnicity and said, you know, Hey, it's hot out here. Can I get some water while I'm mowing your lawn? He was like, no, hum your way through it. That's how we did it. Hum your way through it. And I think, oh, I think we get to learn. No, and I, I think this this is key because I think. We are going to see more and more how much we need each other in the the next few years um, as it rolls around. And we're going to ask the question of, well, what other part of the body, big body, what other part of the body has been accustomed Mm -hmm. to suffering and still yet faithful to the God that was used to oppress them? And then comes the conversation of, okay, well, how do we, so it's no longer going to be Negro spirituals; It's just going to be spiritual spirituals so, when we yeah. all start to have to sing them and, and, and yeah. wade in the water. So yeah. So let me, let me, let me, let me, let me let that one go.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it was it, it, something that came to mind as you were just talking. Then you started talking about wade in the water and all of a sudden I'm like,
1: wade in the water. water. Sorry,
2: right. Anyways, I was get yeah, I was getting to that. Anywho, um, I, I was thinking just about how if God is taking us through all of this disunity, if God is taking us through COVID, if there is a wilderness moment or a confrontation moment, that always precedes a move of what God wants to do next. And it could be that we're preparing for what you said, which I don't disagree with. It's just a matter of when, whether it's in our lifetime or not, or the next decade or next minute. I don't know. Anything could happen in the next minute at this point. World War Three could start because this were, this year has been crazy. 2020 is going to be a year no one wants to talk about. And it depends on but, where you
1: are, right, brother? Because for some, it's already yeah. started.
2: Exactly. That my point is that God is clearly bringing this to the forefront of everyone's mind. And I would encourage people, stop trying to escape it and hmm. try to see what God's going to do through it. We're hmm. trying to return to some kind of feeling and way uh Mm. and and god god wants to to take us through he always takes his people into the wilderness to refine them or to reveal more about who he is and to see it that way as the positive is the only way to get through this to continue to see the hope and that's why so many of the spirituals focus on what god is going to do you know swing low swing chariot you name it these these this is our god is our provider he is the one who's gonna show up but i want to hear from jared because we got excited there we got through two questions, hopefully we'll so, get to the third one here.
0: Yeah, so actually, so I'll say this last thing. Um, I wanna give you a resource uh, for those of you who are listening. Mm. This guy, a German guy uh, by the name of Jorgen Moltmann. Uh, oh, he is white, is the white and he writes one of my favorite books, uh, Theology of Hope, but he would be one of those, um, one of those individuals who writes kind of, I, w- I would classify as a, as a sort of black theology. Um, even though he himself is not Black. And he's got an interesting story in that he was actually um, part of the Nazi party and then uh, mm. had, had a change, had a transformation, and then was actually imprisoned by them. Um, and he has some amazing thoughts about how to hope, how to have hope. And not that it's just like this periphery, sort of like suggestion, like, yeah, you know, hope is is sort of this side dish that you get to Christianity. He says, um, it's sort of a bold statement, a hyperbolic statement, but hope is a command. Uh, we, are called, we are called to hope. And, um, and I, I've just been thinking about that. I, I was exposed to that statement a couple of weeks ago and I was like, huh, okay, what does that mean for me? Uh, what does that mean for us? Uh, what does that mean for all the things that you just talked about um in terms of persecution whether that's in the next minute or the next you know 10 years um and so uh, if you're looking for a place to start it's dense it's heavy um but a guy named jurgen moltmann uh might be a might be a good uh theologian to read
1: yeah i i just plug one person gardner c taylor anything from gardner c taylor is good um he has passed away now but he is the sort of last of a dying breed of the martin luther king-esque type of preaching and actually was there at the march on selma i think um but um that's actually where you see uh, um, black liberation theology correct itself in some sense he is very sound and solid and can wait and so you know in my estimation white churches and white theology if you will is heavy new testament and black theology black liberation theology is heavy old testament um, mm-hmm. it, hence the the savior uh, uh, mosaic type yeah. of field and the abrahamic covenant type yeah. of field so you you get that um and and so yeah gardner c taylor awesome read yeah, put a, um, i put a link
2: at, with just a bio <clears throat>
1: yeah and you can, oh you found him okay good you yeah, can find his stuff yeah you
2: for a bio.
1: lost you there Uh-oh. he put a link for oh, right. okay there you go I you're back me. sweet yeah but yeah so Gardner c taylor anything you could pull from him is great and there's a book that i have that i can't remember the name of it but it's a book that shows all of the african-american theologians prominent theologians of the day um and many of them that never got acclaimed um and many of them that actually wrote sermons for their white counterparts and um, and was was never credited for it in books. So it's, it's great history. Um, but Gardner C. Taylor, man, I mean, yeah, he'll talk and he will walk you through the text without you even knowing. Um, and that you were walked through the text, and so simply marvelous. He's just a great man. That's was one of his tag phrases: simply marvelous, marvelous. <laughs> just simply, simply marvelous. marvelous. God is simply marvelous. <laughs> so, all right, <laughs> well, let's move on to the next question. Pastor Nathan, I'm a segue yeah, yeah, to you yeah. on that one.
2: Great. So TJ Sweet asked, "What is Life Church Canton doing financially to support racial righteousness in this season?" So I, I want to go through a little bit of what we're doing right now. What I hope we will do more in the future, um, and make something aware public for the first time that many people may not know. Ooh, super exciting! Um, <laughs> first, I would say we release address, the kraken. Release the kraken. Yeah, we. we uh, are investing financially in staff resourcing. So a lot of what Daniel's job is, is in uh, racial righteousness in this season, our resources into things like Be the Bridge, The Color of Compromise. I want to get real practical right now for 11 weeks, our staff is spending an hour and 15 minutes to an hour and a half because the conversation gets deep and heavy um, it does. It in, does. Uh, in, in us growing. So that's going to make an effect, but that's the financials so that you are supporting that when you give, you are giving towards educating the staff and others and um, supporting in part, not in whole, but in part, part of Daniel's role. So that's a major financial investment. You know, I think of the financial investment we made in discipleship a year ago, and that was a significant amount of money. Hmm. This, and that was for like kind of a one push and then to get it rolling. And John continues to do that, uh, Pastor John Grandy. But Pastor Daniel's a big part of that, but he's not the only part of it. Second, um, people have given towards benevolence during this COVID season. Um, right now we are looking to help those, uh, right now the most impacted people by COVID are, are, are people of color. It's just, it's ridiculous how unfair it is, especially in Detroit and unfair meaning if it was just everyone, right? But for, for lots of reasons, it's impacting them more. So, we're looking right now to use some of those generous benevolence funds to help families and churches. Um, who are in need. And so that's a newer thing that we're doing as we have not been impacted as harshly in our immediate community. We are going to be using some of that benevolence funds to reach out to other churches in the area and to support them um, where they're at. And that's a a way of helping those churches, but really just saying, hey, God has given to us. This was the intended purpose in helping. Rachel righteousness is, is bigger than just helping give money, but it is also walking with people as we go um anything else that uh we're thinking about right now i know we are talking about future things um, the desire to start doing uh more um, but there's a big one i want to talk about um but i just wanted to make sure i didn't if there was more nuance or anything else you guys wanted to comment about that
1: yeah i think that's it i think i mean obviously we were ongoing connecting and collaborating with other churches in the area other life church churches that are that don't look like us and we're continuing that fellowship so that's good yeah
2: Yeah, and some of the work we're doing is spreading to other churches who are now doing it with their staff as well. Jared, were you going to say something? No, you're muted. You're on mute. Yeah, it's all good. Sorry to be sad. Uh, you covered all the bases. Okay. Um, we want to continue to move into communities uh, in our own area as well. Those are things of the future. I also want to encourage you guys I had a post a little while ago about 75 things you can do if you're a white person if you want to support and some of that is investing in black businesses um, and it, it now I I love investing in those things. Um, well, I'll have to check and make sure I'll text one of you to make sure I got this right. But anyways, um, I encourage you to do that. You can look at uh, an app called um, Black Wallet. You can look at uh, different places. And if you want to support, support that. I, I heard a really amazing story of someone who wanted to get some t-shirts um, made and the person they went to said, ah, why don't you go to uh, uh this person because it's a black owned business and i'd rather them get the money um for this oh wow and i thought that was yeah so just cool stuff like that um yeah. being aware investing um there's a lot in detroit we got a lot of companies that are black owned and i'm, I'm I, that's a huge way to do that um, personally mm-hmm. one of the ones that we have done and that we've been looking at for a long time and this took us just time to really develop this and let's talk with the leadership team um there was a, a detroit man who uh, was settling a race discrimination lawsuit? His name is Santori Thomas, and uh, he settled a, a lawsuit and the ju- you know gave him the settlement. And he went to a uh, um, a bank to cash those checks. And you guys may have heard about this in the past, but essentially he got four cops called on him, and and all kinds of stuff. I'm not going to go into the very specifics of the case. You can look it up, Santori Thomas. Um, and uh, basically that bank is was it w- was our bank TCF Bank did it and the way that they responded to it and the way that they uh, did it it we have decided as, as a church um, that we're moving all our money away from them we're gonna take all the money and stop banking with them and then we are gonna we as a leadership team uh, wrote up a letter and uh sent it to them and basically said look it is clear to us that you are not making these steps towards and whether this was a a, a racist moment your response and your lack Mm -hmm. of investment into creating better awareness so that this doesn't happen to people again um has meant that we that we are not confident that you aren't continuing to do that now and so we will not be banking with you Mm. um and so we have moved away from them and uh very intentionally and the leadership team spent a lot of time processing that and whether we wanted to this is about as public as it's going to get right here is us Mm. talking to Mm. table talk thursday about it you know we're not going to go on social media and make a big deal of it or anything like that it's not the point yeah yeah we wanted to make a point to tcf so the the way we worded it was like this is unacceptable we aren't giving any other reasons for why we're leaving you need to know the reason why we are leaving is because God calls us to treat all people as the image bearers of God and so Mm -hmm. we are we must support businesses that do that and we must not support businesses that don't and Mm -hmm. uh, that was you know clearly um, a way that we could move it does have significance I think Um, I think it shows our solidarity but also it it shows that this is going to lose them business and if they don't make it a a choice to move through that and they may not care they may not Mm. care you know but it's a local bank and um my job here isn't to bash tcf or call you to leave tcf that's not what i'm saying Um, what i am saying is we want to make sure that we um, are benefiting businesses and organizations that are upholding um, life and upholding um Black life and, and not discriminating. So I, it's a nuanced conversation. I, I know you guys have been involved in this conversation. So I'd love to hear your feedback on um, just that process. We took our time with it and really prayed about it and leadership team, um, the the leadership team of our church uh, was on board. We weren't going to move forward with this without that. And, um, and obviously it's a lot of work to move things over from accounts and all that, but um you Know we, we had to move forward, so I just wanted to hear if there's anything I missed or any parts of your guys' comments on that.
0: Not about that, but I had um, I had more of a tangential thought, um, okay, based on that. Well, then that if,
1: you, if you want yeah, me to ahead. speak on this one and then that way you can move us to the tangent, yeah, yeah, okay, sweet, yeah, I think I think so. One, I think it's great, um, I'm thankful that it was done, it wasn't. Um, I'm thankful it was done in the way it was done. Um, and the first time we became aware of this, it was a conversation that was had by many people on this. So I'm thankful for that. But I think a collateral blessing of this too is that in an era where the church more and more seems to be losing moral ground, um, to take a moral stand, an ethical biblical stand and be unapologetic about it, kind, respectful, gracious, but unapologetic about it, yeah. I I I can see God even using this as a way to establish his kingdom and to evangelize folks. It's happened. When people see the church be the church and take the stand that is unpopular or that is un um uh, undone by other people, uh not for the not for the, you know, for the benefit of saying, "Hey, we are the church and we're doing great things." But to just say this is where we stand. Um I think it does a lot um to unify us yes but i think it does a lot to restore some of that shine that the church has lost over and over so that's my little spill on that
2: Yeah. one more one more thing these it's interesting timing wise because for us this decision was done before mm. um, Ahmad aubrey this decision mm-hmm. was done way it was in the fall and, and you know we got to do things right but it you know so i I want people to know that I think it's important. Yeah, like it is, this it is. was happening. This it takes months to do something like this and yeah. to do it right. And so uh, I just wanted people to know that it's not reactionary. Um, this is this is something that we have dwelled on for a while. The decision was made months ago. It just takes time.
1: As a good pastor, I lied. I thought that I was going to shut up, but I didn't. Um, so the other <laughs> thing I would say is the thing too strategically, not that this was the plan strategically, but the timing is also good because people are used to hearing waves of injustice conversations like okay so this happened and then something changed but to go back to something that happened months ago and 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 essentially share with them that this has been something we have thought through I think it has an extra layer of impact that it doesn't look like this church has made a rash decision but this church thought through it well and made a decision to sever the ties that if you're a sensible person you have to think to yourself we are losing money. And and what we've learned in, in history of America is for justice and civil rights things to happen, it typically takes it hitting the right pockets and the right pockets being financially harmed by it. And then they'll say, okay, so it's not expedient. Um, and, and, you know, or like, you know, let's not, let's, we only give black movies 100 theaters across America. Well, then when we saw that they could make money and we're losing money, oh, then let's give them the regular thousand, you know, theaters that we normally give them so when it starts to affect people's money and finances um that's that's why b- boycotting was helpful and worked well because when when the finance starts to be affected people will all of a sudden become your best friends on issues that they said they never wanted to be part of so i think it was very strategically done by god's grace
0: all right jared take us somewhere. yeah and i know we only have 10 minutes left. Uh, but, it's um, gonna end on you yes sir it's all think- on you so I think that um this isn't a pushback, it's a yes and kind of thing to you to what you said, Nathan, of like in terms of um we as a church, and I think you're insinuating as well, we as followers of Jesus, um, mm-hmm. want to be very cognizant of the kinds of businesses that we are supporting. Is that or, or benefiting in a sense? Is that
2: kind of what you were saying? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and I'm opening a can of worms on that one too. Yeah. I understand which, which, that
0: and um because it's it's a conversation that's happening not just in issues of of racial justice but other forms of justice as well as just the topic of morality Mm -hmm. and you know how high of a bar do we set for businesses that aren't necessarily founded on morality or or certainly not on any kind of judeo-christian ethic how how high of a bar do we set for them in terms of our uh, business transactions, you know, and so how far should people take that in terms of do I shop here, do I buy this thing,
1: you yeah. know,
0: because they support X, Y, and Z? Or I'll give you an example: like we, uh, the church that I was at previously, we were getting T-shirts for the youth, and we recognized that the the T-shirts that we were buying, um, the the shirts were made in child labor. We did our research, and so we found out: um, well, we're gonna we're gonna switch, and we're gonna buy different T-shirts um that we know are made with a certain ethical standard um so it was just just one decision but i i i can't help but think that some people think in extremes and will think about every little thing that they're doing and and ultimately like you're going to get paralyzed you're 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 not going to be you're not going to be able to buy clothes you're not going to buy an iphone you know (laughs) because you're going to find something where somewhere along the way There was an immorality that happened. There was an injustice that happened. So, what what should we? How should we coach people in the midst of how they interact with culture that shouldn't
2: necessarily be held to a moral standard? So, what a good question. I I think of the Good Place. Have you seen that TV show? Just I've heard about it. I've I've been told I should watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, they they talk about the scoring system, which is yeah. so unbiblical. There's nothing biblically sound about sure. this show, but the idea was that people going to score. And if you get a high enough score, you go to the good place. If you get a bad enough score, you go to the bad place. Right. And I'm not going to ruin anything about anything. But basically they find out that nowadays people are making decisions that are much more complex. Mm -hmm. And so someone said they ate fruit and vegetables every day and gave it away. Yeah. But they bought it from this place. And this place was this and child labor was connected to this. And so people were getting all these negative points. I think that's a little bit of that feeling, right? The extreme of fear um, to do that. What I would say is we live in the world and we are never, ever, going to be able to support only Christian businesses in the milieu of where we're at right now. Um, And so what we need to do is be strategic about what we choose and why, and make those decisions and realize we have the grace of God through it. For us, um, TCF was a local bank. It happened in Livonia. It happened up the street. Right, right. So, you know, once you, if you wanna follow the supply chain all the way down, you probably can't shop at Walmart, and some of us don't can't afford to do that. Some mm-hmm. of us, some of this privilege, some of this is privilege. Like, well, I only eat this, and I only eat that, and I don't eat GMO, and I'll, whatever you want to take it. Some of it's just the privilege of of being able to make those financial decisions. Right. And so I think you know, with more responsibility and more stewardship, you make decisions. For mm-hmm. us, as the responsibility of the church and stewarding our money, well, we looked at it and said you know this is something we're choosing to make a stand on um we can't make stands for everything right. uh, but we try we gotta be part of the world and guide them to the truth and stand so i didn't answer your question no you um, did because i did think it. that there can't be a line Yeah. otherwise you'll lose your mind you know, <laughs> yeah. i think um, but yeah. you've got to stand for things yeah It's good
1: yeah, I, I mean, I, I get what you guys are saying, and I, I definitely understand. I think, um, I think there is a conscience issue too, right? There's a matter of conscience. Um, scripture is very clear on that. Um, some who eat meat to idols, and some who don't. Like, there's a conscience part of it, but I also think that Scripture guides us too in being those people who are aware. And not just willing to turn a blind eye and say, well, it's not affecting me, so then I, I therefore, I'm okay. Because that bleeds into other conversations we're currently having, right? Because if, because it's not affecting me, then I don't have to make a stance on it. Um, so that's, it, it's not an easy answer, but I think As much as i can i'm guided by romans 132 that talks about not just not doing things that are ungodly but also not giving tacit approval for those things and so in what ways are we giving tacit approval even if it's not severing a relationship if it's just going on the books and saying hey you need to do something about this because i want to use my relationship with you to leverage you doing something that's godly there's nuances to it some of them it is the severing of ties because it's a system sy- systemic issue right it's it's the, the sort of chase bank issue for me is not just one location it seems to in my research to be a systemic
2: quick quick, quick, quick. that was tcf yes. bank yeah. chase bank yes. Is yes. The bank he went no, to no no i know i know i know, I, know yes. I just want to make yeah, sure people no, don't no, freak out no, about I, chase sorry, yeah, <laughs> yeah, bank. yeah. Thanks for doing it. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, no, TFC (laughs) is different. But when I think of a Chase Bank, for me in my head, it's not just a local branch. It's a systemic issue that I personally will never bank with. TCF, the little that I know, it seems to be systemic as well. But specifically, this happened in Livonia and we bank with that, right? So we can do that and we can take that stand. So I don't want people to feel like they can't make a stance either, so I don't want any extremes. I, I would not want you to say, "We all, you're, I'm in the world, but not of it." So I'm going to just do anything. Paul talks about that in, you know, in First Corinthians chapter five about you're in the world, you're going to have worldly things around you. Um, but also in the same sense, I think as Christians, we ought to be asking the question, in what way am I giving tacit approval of the things that are not glorifying to God? We make those decisions even in what we watch, right? In the types of movies we watch and types of types of concerts or whatever we don't or, or do go to. My investments right now, my stocks will never be in companies that I know support things like trafficking and, and pornography and things of that nature. I won't donate to that, right? Uh, but some people have the freedom in their mind to do that. I do want to give room to that conscious, but I think a conscious that doesn't ask that question might be a conscious that wants to keep itself from asking that question. That's what I would just say. Yeah. So, but yeah, I know we're over time. Any final words, folks?
2: Yeah, open to having conversations about everything. Uh, the yes. message this, this weekend talks about um, dissonance, disunity Mm. or even having an issue or a sin issue with someone and and just that god calls us to have those conversations and and uh, i think julie led the way of saying like hey we can ask hard things and i just want to encourage you that all three of us just encourage everyone to reach out and have conversations with us we're going to receive you with humility we're going to receive you with grace and i always want you to know i'm so grateful for our community
1: Uh, And I just want to echo that just so it's clear that amen, we all agree with that, that please approach us. The Bible actually compels us to do that, that if we have something against each other to approach each other and have that conversation. So please, um, please feel free to obey God. So um, (laughs) We actually That's biblical
2: We have the freedom To actually You have the freedom To (laughs) obey God
1: Uh, Do join us next week We'll have two special guests Um, uh, Spoiler alert They're not staff And they are not LT So it's going to be Something fun going on Um, So do join us We look forward to seeing you guys Uh, It'll be a great time together God bless And we will see you next week God willing